Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. In 1968, um, there was a comedy television show that made its debut. And I found it interesting because it was called Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Now, this was, I was like two years old, so I mean, this is when it started. But in 1993, they presented the 25-year anniversary of the show. And what they did is they began to show clips uh, from some of the earlier episodes. One of the regular features of Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In was something called News from the Future in which two futuristic news anchormen acted as though they were reporting news from decades into the future. Well, it was meant to be a spoof, and they tried to be as funny as they outlandishly could be as possible. However, there were two things that they predicted, two things that they predicted with humor that actually came true. You go, what's that? They forecasted, listen, in 1968, that actor Ronald Reagan would be elected president of the United States. And then in another segment, they actually reported, futuristically, the Berlin, the Berlin Wall had fallen. And this was just a comedy show. And even their attempt at humor, these two predictions have come true. It's been said that even false prophets are right some of the time. And in another quote, someone said, a broken clock is right at least twice a day. Listen, God's prophets are correct 100% of the time. God's prophets are correct 100% of the time. And we're going to see that in chapter 11. Now, I want to remind you, I know some of these folks, these men haven't been here, but I want to remind you, in Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12, remember, they make up one final climatic prophecy. It actually is a clarification and a simplification of an earlier vision Daniel received. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had a dream. Do you guys remember that? He saw four animals, each representing a kingdom. In chapter 11, there were no statues. There were no animals. The prophecy is shared in a straightforward, uncomplicated way. The angel makes it clear that he's talking about kings and kingdoms. The 11th chapter, if you're taking note, jot this down, it's divided into two sections. Number one, we're going to see prophecy fulfilled. You can write our history. Our history. That's what we're going to see in the first 35 verses. The first 35 verses of this book, guys, tells us of chapter 11, they're going to deal with world events that would have occurred almost 500 years before Jesus was born. You're like, wow. For Daniel, he's writing at 530 BC. It was prophecy for, what was, it was prophecy for us today. It's history. It was prophecy for them. Think about this. There, he's looking at this. If you remember the quote we talked about a few weeks ago, it was said that history provides a forensic evidence when it comes to biblical prophecy. In other words, when we take a look back at history, we can easily determine that history is scientific evidence as it relates to the past and the foretelling of future events. This is known as biblical prophecy. You go, Ben, you you said a lot of words, I'm not sure what you mean. The first 35 verses in chapter 11, as we're studying that today, is simply prophetic for them. It was prophecy. Daniel's prophesying, it was written 500 years before any of it would happen. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on for just a moment. Can you imagine if someone said, thus saith the Lord, 
but it's not going to happen for 500 more years. What is that? You're going, man, I, listen, I, at best I got 40 or 50, 60, 80 years at best. I'm at 500 years. Okay. So for them, although it was prophetic, it was 500 years. But there's a reason why. There's a reason. You go, why? What do you mean? Well, see, for us today, it actually serves as forensic evidence in biblical prophecy. You see, guys, the, the word of God was, and it was not written by men. Oh, men penned it, but it was written by the Holy Spirit. And 500 years, he writes this, and, and anybody who was listening to Daniel in chapter 11 went, oh, well, whatever, I'm not going to be around. But for you and I, we look back and we say, God's word is real. And so when we see someone like Antiochus Epiphanes, when we see somebody like him, and we correlate him to the coming Antichrist, we go, God's word is real. This is going to happen. We need to be right with God. We need to be right with God. Well, why do we need to be right with God? Well, here's the question, guys. There's a lot of people, and you know this today, just go on YouTube for half a second. There's a lot of people today who will claim Christianity, and they know know nothing about my Jesus. They don't know him. But if you ask him, are you a Christian, they will fight you tooth and nail, but they show no attributes in their life of a true believer. You see, there's a lot of us who have been duped and said, hey, hey, pray this prayer and, and you'll be saved and go on your way and, and God bless you. And their lives haven't been transformed. You see... Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. That's a transformation that changes the heart from the inside out. Here's what we do in Christianity. Here's what we do in America. We know that life gets rough, and so we decide that we're going to change. We need a change. We need a change. I need a change. Life is rough. I'm going down the wrong path. And, and, and so what we try to do, and, 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 and we do the best we can, but we modify our behavior. We modify, but we want to look like a, we want to act like it. So I just need a mod, I just need to act better. I just need to get my act together. Everybody hear that? Anybody here? I just got to get my act together. And we modify our behavior, but something inside us hasn't changed. But true Christianity is when something changes on the inside that's now wanting to come to the outside, not the other way around. And so we always have to, and, and that's why it's important. That's why it's important and we come to the word of God that we go, oh, oh, yeah, 500, it's forensic. Oh, that's biblical prophecy. You go, what? Well, the history tells us that it was true. Well, in the second edition, next week, in verses 36 to 45, you can, this is point number two. This is going to be prophecy predicted. This is going to be our future. Our future. The focus of these verses next week are going to be the Antichrist. And we'll cover that, and we'll look at a prophecy update as we actually approach the end of 2023 and looking at 2024. You've heard me say a thousand times behind this pulpit, I believe we're living in the last days. What that means could be days, weeks, months, or even years, but we're close. We're close. For some of us, it may not be what we call the harpazo, the rapture of the church. It might be, for some of us, our final breath on earth. We don't know. We don't know. Either way, we have to be right with God. We have to be right with God. So, tonight, we're going to move pretty quick. We're going to move pretty quick through verse 11, since we've already talked about these in length. So here, Daniel chapter 11 begins a remarkable section about detailed prophecy. The first about Persia, we're going to see that in verses 1 and 2. Then we're going to talk about Alexander the Great in verses 3 and 4. And then from verses 5 through 20, here's what I want you to wrap your mind around, because we're going to move pretty quick. He's going to talk about the north versus the south, this war. And if you want to write this down, you can write Egypt versus Syria. And they're going to, he's, going to, he's going to give Daniel this prophecy all the way up into Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, why does he do that? Well, remember, he's giving Daniel the prophecy 500 years before it even takes place. 
But you and I can go back and go, oh, wait, there was an Egyptian war with Syria. There's, it all plays in. And, and, and here's, what people, here's what makes people so mad. They, Daniel prophesies so much in detail that they actually accuse him of going, no, you wrote that later. So it was written later, and you just put Daniel's name, and you changed the date, because there's no way somebody could get that so accurate. And you and I, we chuckle, and we go, it's God. It's God. If God's going to prophesy, guess what? It's going to be 100%. It's gonna. Now, here's what you need to know. If God told us that we're going to be harpazo, we're going to be raptured, then we need to stand ready, ready to go. If he says there's going to come an antichrist, there's going to come a false prophet, there's going to come a seven-year tribulation like you've never seen before where all hell is breaking loose on this earth, we need to believe it. If Jesus said that there is an accuser, there is a Satan, there is one that goes after you, we need to believe that. We don't believe what, what people are trying to make up of who he is or what he is. We have to believe the Word of God. You understand right now. I, I want you to think about this for a second. I told you guys the other day that AI, artificial intelligence, they're getting them to rewrite the Bible and take out all the harsh parts. So they're going to come out with a new Bible. You go, oh, yeah, they've been trying to rewrite the Bible. People don't like that. But, but I want you to see something. If you are a social media person, and you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you'll see AI reenactments. And I saw this the other day. It was, it was Kobe Bryant talking about him dying in the helicopter crash. And the way they made it is there he is, Kobe. We, we all like Kobe, and Kobe's like, yeah. And he explains, he explains from the moment he got up that morning and how he got his daughter ready and he got, the, he got on the helicopter. He explains what was going on in the helicopter before it crashed. And it all done with artificial intelligence. You guys tracking with me? Think about this. The Bible says, and I'm getting off track, but the Bible says that there's going to be a mortal wound to the Antichrist, to where he looks dead. And then he's going to somehow miraculously resurrect. What if every social media, Facebook, I mean all of them, has this artificial intelligence where all of a sudden it looks like he was killed, and he really wasn't. And now you have this artificial resurrection and people are, it blew my mind. Why? Because the art, guys, the art of video transforms you and pulls you into the story to where it comes through your eye, your ear, and then your heart believes. It, it, technology is moving faster than we, we, need, to, we need to grasp. You go, what, what, what should we do? Stick to the Word of God. Okay? The Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light. The Bible says that, that um, I mean, he can do miracles. The Bible says that, I mean, can you imagine someone claiming to be Christ and he's, and he's calling down um, lightning from heaven and you, oh, everybody's following him. And in the background, you have what? You have all of this AI, you have all this social media, you have all of these tugs pulling your heart to believe what's going to happen. 90% of us are going to fall into that in belief unless we're rooted and grounded in, this, in, in the Word of God. Our foundation is solid. We have to know the Word of God. We have to go, no, no, no. Pastor Ben said something about don't follow signs and wonders, follow the Word of God. If somebody comes through Lubbock, Texas with signs and wonders, we don't follow. Oh, it must be, it must be God. He's, he's done signs. It must be he's, he's resurrected. I mean, think about this. This is, this is silly. I understand. And, and I don't mean it to be. It's just my opinion. But what if through, through AI and, and, and all of this, they could get people like Kobe Bryant and other ones, other people that we've, we deeply miss to talk to us. 
And you're just like, wow, you believe it. You, you had somebody you've loved for so long that's been, that's been gone, and, and now they're talking to you, and you go, wait, that's my mom. That's my mom. And they're trying to get into it. We have to stick to the Word of God. So by way of reminder, back in our text, chapters 10 through 12 are a single vision of the latter days. You need to remember that. Daniel, well, he's invigorated here in chapter 10. He receives the vision, the prediction, the prediction in chapter 11, and now he's going to respond to them in chapter 12. So with that as our intro, let's just look. We're going to go through this, and we'll jump into our text. It says in verse 1, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm the strength, or confirm and strengthen them. Look at verse 2. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the four shall be far richer than all of them. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against all the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion, and do according to his will. Your attention, please. If you want to write this down, Persia is modern-day Iran, so we know where it sits on the map. It's a modern-day Iran. But if you were just reading this, if you were just picked up your Bible and decided to read Daniel, let's, let's, let's play Bible roulette. Anybody ever play Bible roulette? And you just go, and you stop, and you pick Daniel 11, you would be going, what is he saying? What is he saying? Hence the importance of expositional teaching where you go and you get the full context. Okay? Let me just say this to the church today. Always, always apply the 2020 rule when it comes to verses in context or out of context. You go, what's the 2020 rule? You always read 20 verses uh, before it and 20 verses after so you get the full understanding of what What's, what's he really saying? Because think about this. If you would pick up Daniel, you go, Lord, speak to me, God, I'm going through a mess. And I will tell you the truth. Behold, three, you're like, you're frustrated. Or you might think, well, who's, who's he talking about? The, the kings of Persia. And then, here's the thing. Let's break it down, guys. Simply, the angel told Daniel that there would be three kings in Persia. So what you have to do is you have to link chapter 10 chapter 11 and chapter 12 as one. So what would you do? You'd read all of chapter 10, come into chapter 11 and chapter 12. He says, Daniel, yes, sir, there are going to be three more kings in Persia. And then a fourth will arise. The fourth king is going to be strong, rich, and he's going to oppose the realm of Greece. This, this strong, rich fourth king was fulfilled in the Persian king called Xerxes. Xerxes, okay? If you're taking note, it's X-E-R-X-E-S, Xerxes. You go, well, Ben, who are the four kings? Who is Daniel talking about? Well, let me give you a bit of history just so you know what we're talking about. The four kings was Cambyses is the first one, Cambyses. Then, number two, you had Pseudo-Smyrtis. That was the second king. The third king was Darius I, Hystapes, which is Darius the Great. And then the fourth king is Xerxes, also known as Ahasuerus from the book of Esther. So if you were to go over to the book of Esther and you go, who is the king? It was actually this fourth king. What does that mean? The Bible, again, the Bible interprets the Bible. You got it? You're like, okay. So the angel tells Daniel, hey, Dan, uh, there's a mighty king going to arise, and this mighty king is going to have a great dominion. But this king would not endure, and it would be divided after his death. Okay, so we know that this is going to be a great king. He says, this king is going to rule with great dominion and do according to whose will. You go, who's he talking about? Jot this down if you're taking note. It was fulfilled. Do you guys remember on your history lesson, it was Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was the one that came in. He was a mighty king, but Alexander died at the age of 32, right before he was about to turn 33. He died of a fever after a drunken party there in Babylon. Alexander the Great was born July 356 B.C. 
and he died June 323 B.C., so he is one month short of turning 33. You go, Pastor, what was the point? What's the point of all this? Daniel's prophecy interpretation was told around, check this out, 500 B.C., and Alexander wasn't even born until 356 B.C. So for 230 years, even before it happened, God, through the angel, guys, was giving them, giving us a glimpse of their future. Wow. So as not to confuse you, it would be those people's future, right? Those people coming. But it would also be, in, 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 in us looking back, it would be our history. Because now we can look back and see the history and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you go, Ben, what's the point? Here's the point. We're talking about prophecy. And i got to be honest with you. Not a lot of churches want to deal with prophecy. They don't want to say, thus saith the Lord. But we're dealing with prophecy, and there's a purpose for prophecy. There's a value in prophecy. Okay, we don't want to shy away from that. We want to tackle that. We want to see what it is. So what are the value of prophecy? What, what, are, the, what are the benefits of, of, of knowing prophecy? The first one is really simple. You guys ready? Jot this down. It's to know the mind of God. To know the mind of God in prophecy. I mean, I want to know. I want to know his heart. I want to know his word. I want to know the mind of God. Check this out. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 from the Peterson paraphrase goes like this. The fact is God the master does not without does nothing without first telling his prophets the whole story. So we know the mind of God. We know the mind of God. That's what prophecy is about. It's the mind of God. Now let me just say this. You might be here today and you might be a little bit worried about what the what the world looks like in the next coming years. But I don't want you to worry tonight. I want you to sleep. You go why? Because the world's not falling apart, it's falling into place because God already knows what's going to happen. And he's setting it up for his glory and his kingdom. You go, okay. Number two, the value of prophecy, it it sheds light in a dark world. It sheds light in a dark world. See, the New Testament tells us clearly that prophetic scriptures are essential if a man is to have a light on the pathway of the future. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says this, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Thank you, Pete. That's awesome. So we can be more confident of the message proclaimed by the prophets. He says, you would do well. To pay attention, because it's a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the light of the morning star shines in your heart. You go value to know the mind of God. Number two, to see the, the value of prophecy. It's a light in a dark world. Let me give you the three. It's, the third one is for comfort and hope. Comfort and hope. It was Dr. Wilbert M. Smith who said, or he suggests that there are three different attitudes one may take toward the future. The first is indifference. Ah, whatever. It's those people that go, ah, working for the weekend. Is it Friday night yet? He says the second is fear. What do we do? What do we do? And he said, and the third attitude is hope. Is hope. He says no intelligent person would take the first No one needs to be ensnared in the second, but all can possess the third. There's comfort and hope for all believers who love and study the Bible. There's hope. There's hope. Well, it goes on in our study. We're going to talk about, okay, so we talked about who? Persia. Now we're going to talk about Greece. Look at verse 4 in your Bibles. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up, divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion, with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted even 
for others besides these. Now, again, he's talk, this is when Greece comes in. He says, now, when Alexander is arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided. Do you guys remember what happened when Alexander died? There wasn't one who took over. Four generals took over. And so, I mean, so God was just going, there you go. And then in verses 5 through 20, he gives us a detailed account of Egypt versus Syria. And I want you to think about it like this, like it's almost reading the news, okay? This section traces the various struggles between the kings of the south, remember south is Egypt, and the kings of the north, Syria. Those are still two countries that are in play today. You have Syria and you have Egypt. This was going on back then. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read it together, guys. If you're taking notes, this section is broken down to six specific points, six of them. I'm going to give you them here. Look at verse 5. We're going to see, this is the first point, the strength of the king of the south. Look at verse 5. Also, the king of the south, that would be Egypt, shall become strong as well as one of his princes. And he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. Listen. The angel is trying to, is prophesying, and Daniel's grabbing all of this stuff. You guys remember, last week, you, you guys remember, two weeks ago, Daniel fell down. He was just, man, he, he had just seen he had seen the, 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 the vision of the Antichrist and what's going to happen to the world and the evilness that's happening to it. And he was so broken. He came down and said, stand up. And, okay, and, and, he got his, and, and, and so he's going, okay, so, so here it is. And he goes, now the king of the south is going to become strong. Well, this was fulfilled by Ptolemy I of Egypt. His name was Ptolemy. And he exerted his control over the Holy Land Soon after the division of Alexander's empires, the Ptolemies dominated this region. So as soon as, guys, as soon as Alexander died, I mean, boom, everybody else in the region was like, yeah, because Alexander just wiped out everybody. He was super strong. Now, what you have to do is you have to turn on your, your thinking caps and go back to when we talked about, I don't know if Josh has it really quick. Josh, the picture of the of the beast that Daniel saw, do you, do you have that up there? I'm, I'm putting him on the spot, but maybe he could grab it. The beast, yeah, the four kingdoms. There you go. See, the four kingdoms is the one here where he says there's Babylon, then the Medo-Persian, then the Greece. So he's, he's talking about the Grecian Empire. And, and you could see, I mean, there was the bear and, and, uh, and all of this. And this is way back in Daniel chapter 7. So I've got to just stir your, your memories just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay? And so it's going to go into the revived Roman Empire. But right now, the Ptolemies died, they dominated this reason. Thank you, Josh. Let me give you number two. Number two is there's going to be a marriage between the families of the kings of the north and the kings of the south. Let's prophesy about that. Look at verse 6. And at the end of some of the years, they shall join forces. For the daughter of the king of the south, who is that, guys? Egypt shall go to the king of the north and make an agreement. But she shall not retain the power of her authority, and neither he nor his authority shall stand. But she shall be given up. And those who brought her, and with him who begot her, and with him who strengthened her in those times. What happened? There's a guy by the name of Ptolemy II. Okay? Ptolemy II gave his daughter in marriage to Antiochus I. Okay, and a lot of times they would have this peace treaty and they'd be like, listen, this is how we're going to have peace. I'll take my daughter and I'll, you know, this is how we're going to have peace because if not, everybody's going to get killed. We just keep having these wars back and forth. Well, Seleucid, but Antiochus deserted her and was later murdered. So that's what he's talking about in verses 6. And now in verses 7, it says, The south, from the south, the army defeats the kingdom of the north. So again, just giving us prophesy, we'll get, we'll get in. It says, But from the branch of her roots, one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the king of the north, and deal with him and prevail. And he shall carry their gods captive to Egypt, with their princesses and their precious articles of silver and gold. And he shall continue more 
years than the king of the north. Also, the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, and it shall return to his own land. Okay, guys, think about this. The reason God is giving Daniel this prophecy in chapter 11 to you and I, we go, yeah, that's history. I mean, Pastor Ben, I didn't go to Calvary on Wednesday night to get a history lesson, but it's so important because when you go back and you, and you, and you really grasp this, you know, you know that it was already, it was prophesied 500 years before any of this happened. And so when he says, when he says, hey, listen, the daughter of the south is going to, is going to make an agreement with the, with the son of the north and, and uh, then eventually, and then, and then we look back and we go, oh yeah, I can see we're Antiochus. And then, and, and then he says, and by the way, they're not going to have any strength. That's basically, yeah, they end up getting murdered. And Antiochus leaves her. And it's like, it's like, man, I'm watching a daytime soap. You know, this is what's going on. Because this is, this is kind of what's happening. But there's a point to it. There's a point to it so that you and I can go, wow. Wow. It says here in verses 9 through 11 that she's going to, who shall come with, a, with an army. An angel told Daniel that a branch of her roots would come from the south to prevail over the kings of the north. Back in 246 B.C., Ptolemy III, now remember, the Ptolemies were, were um, he came and he actually invaded Syria on 246 B.C. You go, Ben, what's the point? Everything that is being told to Daniel right now has, is, is coming to pass. How do you know this? Because I can do history. I can look back and go, wow, this really happened. But I want you to think for just a moment. I want you to put yourself in their sandals. If I came and I started to prophesy to you and told you something was going to happen 500 years from now, you'd be like, okay, well, I hope it does. Good luck for you. You won't be here. I won't be here, so forth. But the people who I've written it down and the world would continue would be your grandsons, your great-grandsons, your great-great-grandsons, your great-great... And all of a sudden, they'd go, wait, Pastor Ben said this back in 2023... And here we are, 500 years later, this came to pass. How would he know? There's no, there's no way this. And so it would give what? It would give validity to the word of God. Not that God's word needs validity. We believe it. But you've got to understand that's where the foundation comes from. When the word of God speaks to us prophetically and you look at it and you look at it objectively and you go, okay, well, if, it, if the Bible says that I need to be born again, I need to, be, I need to be born again to be saved, then I need to take it to the bank. If, if you go back to Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with, and the word, you know, or basically in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you basically go back and you go, okay, there wasn't, there wasn't this... Um, this this evolution there wasn't this big bang god created everything and he created everything out of nothing i believe that and once you believe that listen it's a, it's easy to believe the rest of the bible but something happened in our lives church something happened that we call ourselves christians something happened there was a change you see you didn't just you weren't just born a Christian. You weren't born believing. As a matter of fact, you, were, you, were, you didn't believe. We didn't believe. Oh, we might have had through our lives through religion, we may have had um, man, an influence of religion, however it might be, depending on how you were brought up. You might have been brought up Methodist. You might have been brought up Catholic. You might have been brought up Protestant. You might have been brought up whatever it might be. You might have had an inkling of that or... Believe it or not, I know some people who are not brought up at all with any type of religion. But somehow, some way, you read the scriptures and in your mind you formulated and went, that's got to be true. You took a step outside and you looked at the cosmos and you saw the stars and you saw, you saw the sun and you saw how it just got enough heat to where we would complain but not fry us. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Or it's too cold, or it's too wet, or whatever it might be. But nonetheless, guess what? You said there's something to this Word of God. 
And I'm going to say yes to Yahshua. I'm going to say yes to Jesus so that I'm saved. Something happened. Objectively, in your brain, you said the Word of God has to be true. And this is part of it. This is part of it. Let me give you the fourth one we see in verse 10. The sons of the kings of the north and their victory. Look what he says. However, the sun shall rise up, strife and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overwhelm and pass through, and he shall return his fortress and stir up strife. The sons of the kings of the north would continue in battle. One of the sons would conquer the holy land, overwhelm and pass through, which stood as a buffer between the kings of the south and the kings of the of the north. Guess what? This was fulfilled when Seleucius III and Antiochus III and the two sons of Seleucius II. Both were successful generals, but Seleucius III ruled only a short time and then was succeeded by his brother. Well, then it gives us the fifth one. The kings of the south gain an upper hand over the kings of the north. And the kings of the south, look at verse 11, shall be moved with rage and go out and fight with him. But the kings of the north shall muster a great multitude. But the multitude shall be given in the hand of his enemy. And when he's taken away, the multitude of his heart shall be lifted up. And he will cast down tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. So from verses 13 through 20, we discover a seesaw struggles between the north and the south. Okay, Until Antiochus Epiphanes, remember that name, defeated an Egyptian army in Sidon. And he actually comes to turn with Ptolemy V, and he'll give him his daughter in marriage. We're just going to read it together, guys. I understand it's one of those things, but look at verse 13. For the king of the north, Syria, will return and muster a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come at the end of some years with a great army and much equipment. And now in those times, many shall rise up against the king of the south. Also, violent men of your people shall exalt themselves in fulfillment of the vision, but they shall fall. So the king of the north shall come and build a siege mount and take a fortified city, and the forces of the south shall not withstand him. Even his choice troops shall have no strength to resist, but he who comes against him shall do according to his own will, and no one shall stand against him. And he shall stand a glorious land with destruction in his power. And he shall set his face to enter with strength of his whole kingdom, the upright ones with him, and thus he shall do. And he shall give him the daughter of the women to destroy it. But she shall not stand with him and before him. After this, he shall return his face to the coastlands and and shall take many. But a ruler shall bring a reproach against them to the end. And with the reproach removed, and he shall turn back on him. And then he laid his face toward the fortress of his own land, and he shall stumble and fall and not be found. And there shall arise in his place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. But within a few days he shall be destroyed, but not in anger or in battle. Now, in verses 21 through 35, This is a prelude to the future world. Not ours. Why? Because we'll be with Jesus. Okay? And this gives us the hope of Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. This next section in your Bibles, guys, from verses 21 through 35, um, we're going to talk about a fellow by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, you need to pay close attention. And you go, why? Because he is a forerunner. He is a type of the future Antichrist. Now, what you need to know, listen, is that right now, if you're a believer here tonight, you will not see the Antichrist. You won't know who he is. Now, you might look at the news and get an idea and think maybe it might be him. We talked of, a, of the French President Emmanuel Macron. We, we talked about him. Maybe, but we won't know. According to Second Thessalonians, you and I won't know. But you probably have people, you probably have friends, you probably have loved ones, you probably have relatives that are not saved, that you're praying for, that will have to deal with this very evil, awful man. And so I'm going to give you exactly 
who this and it's it's the future antichrist now he's going to come to power listen he's going to come to power by intrigue i want you to keep that in mind and according to what we're going to learn today he's made several expeditions to egypt and then he turned his hatred towards israel now what you need to know what you need to know guys listen if you'll study the scriptures really, really deep and keep looking at it, God's not holding anything back. He's, he, he's actually showing us what's going to take place. And so many people go, no, God's holding out on me, man. I don't know what's going to happen. No, he's, he's, he's going to show us. He's going to show us. Well, what happened? Okay. Antiochus the fourth. Antiochus. He gained the throne of his father, Antiochus III. You know how he did it? He murdered his brother. Okay? He murdered the former king, Seleucius. His name was Philopater. The son of Philopater should have been the rightful heir to the throne, but Antiochus comes in and he held him hostage in Rome, and then he legitimized his rule. How? through flattery and bribery, okay? If you're here tonight and you decide, nah, not going to be a Christian, not going not to do it, I'll take my chances with the Antichrist. I'll take my chances, man, I'll, I can handle any tribulation. You don't know how I grew up. If you're saying that, I want you to listen, because here's the thing. In Matthew 24, my Jesus came, and they asked him, what's it going to be like in the end times? And you know what he said? Don't be deceived. So the first thing the enemy wants to do is deceive your little heart. How is he going to deceive your heart? Well, we talked about AI. He's going to, he can deceive us that way. Artificial intelligence, starting to move, to rewrite the Bible, to take out the parts you don't like, to take out sin, to take out, what, repentance. Man, listen, why can't we just have a Bible that tells us all good stuff? Why can't we have a Bible that says, oh, we all sing Kumbaya and everybody gets blessed and amen. That's the kind of Bible. But we don't talk about sin. We don't talk about repentance. We don't talk about being broken before the Lord. We don't talk about being humble before God. You say, wow. That's, that's what AI could do. How? He's going to deceive us. What if the enemy decides to use um, the internet? and social media, and all these things to try to deceive us from what's really going on. Hey, don't worry about this. Don't worry about it. What if they knocked out all televisions, and all you had was your phone, and all they did is keep with a repeater telling you, man, everything's fine, it's all good, everything's fine, and, and you just go about your married life, and don't worry, just go to work tomorrow, and yet the world is falling apart. We just cannot be deceived. Antiochus, guys came to the throne mainly through flattery and bribery. You and I have no clue what kind of deals are being made under the table, even as we speak. We have no clue. You and I, if you're pretty intelligent, you have a good idea of what's going on and what has gone on on our current administration and the prior administration and all of this stuff. You kind of know what's going on. You can see the deflections. You know what's happening. And that's going on in front of our face even now. You're like, wow, dude, chill. But here's the thing. What I find interesting is Antiochus IV, you see, his name was an Epiphanes. He took on that title. He goes, don't call me Antiochus IV, call me Antiochus Epiphanes, right? Because Epiphanes means, it means illustrious, and it's alluding to deity. You know what Antiochus IV was saying? I'm going to be like God. I'm going to be like God. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you? Listen, take it to the bank, however you want to. It's my opinion, standing on the side of the pulpit. It's not from the Bible. But I'm telling you right now, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Antiochus Epiphanes is in the world today. Because so many people are standing up going, I, why can't I be God? Why can't I do what I want to do with my body, however I want to do it? This is who I am. Because I'm God. I'm illustrious. I'm deity. And you're going, wow, it's a demonic attack. But it's a demonic attack against the Christian. 
So Antiochus Epiphanes. Look at verse 21 with me, guys. And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give honor of royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. Okay, think about this in the future. Like, we're not going to be here, but think about this. I mean, you're going to have somebody who's like, oh, yuck. I mean, he's vile, and he's not going to come in and take it by force. He's not going to come in and go, look, he's going to come in peaceably. He's going to come in peaceably. What do you think the world wants? What do you think the world is going to need when the Christians are gone? What's the one thing it's going to be craving more than anything? Peace. Peace. It's going to be chaos, and so when he comes in, he's not going to come in and go, hey, he's going to say, hey, if you do things my way, everything will go back to normal. If you do things my way, listen, if you put me in charge, and you know what? There's going to be many people that go, hey, this dude needs to be in charge. This guy needs to be on the leader. Listen, we don't, we don't have United States of America anymore. We have one world. Wait a minute, where have I heard that before? Because we have, a, we have a world, listen guys, we have a world health organization, we have a world economic forum, we have a one world, okay, so now you have a guy who's going to be, and he's going to come in peaceably, and by intrigue. Now, if you have a Bible, circle that word for intrigue, because the word means flatteries. He's a smooth talker. He's a smooth talker. Wow. Wow. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest places of the province, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. Now, guys, look at verse 24. Underline that verse in your Bible. Why? Because what's the one thing, what's the one thing that he's going to accomplish that others couldn't? Peace on the Temple Mount. They've tried. We've tried. Listen, peace, somehow, he's going to accomplish this. Yet, now, now look at this, guys. This is the Antichrist. Yet he shall disperse among them the plunder, the spoils, and the riches, and he shall devise plans against the stronghold, but only for a time. You know what he's going to do? Think about this. He's going to distribute the wealth. How do you follow somebody? He's giving me free stuff. I mean, this is what he's going to do. Hey, listen, this, the war-torn country of Ukraine, let's get that back up. Here you go. And he starts pulling from the rich, and he starts doing all of these stuff, and, and all of a sudden people are like, wow, he's a great humanitarian. And the world is a mess, and 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 they and you need stuff, and so... Let's send aid and, 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 and literally get it. He won't need, there won't need to be a vote. Hey, should we vote him in or not? Because the world will flock to him because he's providing something that they need. Something that they need. Can I just tell you this, guys? You know this, you know this, but you saw that with the pandemic. You saw that when it happened in 2000. You saw exactly what happened. He's going to do that, but it says only for a time. He shall stir up the power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great army and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they'll devise plans against him. If those who eat of their portion of his delicacy shall destroy him, and his army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. But the king, both these kings' hearts will be bent on, notice that word, guys, evil, and they shall speak lies at the time at the same table, and it shall not prosper, for the end will still be an appointed time. So who is he talking about it, Joe? He's talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, but it gives us it gives us a type of what the Antichrist is going to be. What's he going to be like? He's going to be evil. He's going to be evil. Evil. Saw a video this week. I saw a video today. And basically, 
it, it was it was about Pride Month, and 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 they were having a Pride something going on, and and the street preacher was standing back, and he was had a bullhorn, and he was just proclaiming the gospel, and he was just saying, you know, spouting off scripture, and a policeman came to him and said, hey, stop talking, and 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 they're out doing their stuff all over there, the the flags and the whole thing. And he stepped back and he goes, I'm, a, I'm, on, I'm on public property. I'm on public. I can, I can be here as well. I'm not on the street. I'm over there. He got his bullhorn again, started, started just preaching the gospel. And the officers arrested him and took him to jail. The Christian. At the cheers and the chants of all the other people who were watching. I don't know if you heard this. I was listening to Radio by Grace yesterday. And I'm not sure who it was, but I know it was one of Biden's, one of Biden's administrative guys. And he required all the military who are on social media to post the pride flag. Well, some of the media, some of the military said, no, we're not going to do this. We... And this guy, this is on the radio, I don't, this is, and he says, and, and one of the guys, this guy got so mad that he was actually calling that a crime if you were in the military and you didn't do that. And that you were going to be charged. And we go, where do we live? You see, evil is happening, and this guy is going to be the epitome of evil. The epitome of evil. But here's what you need to know. He's going to enter peaceably. He'll stir up his power and courage against the king. And he's going to kill all those who oppose him. But something else that you'll know. You'll know who the Antichrist is or you'll get a glimpse because he will turn his hatred against Israel. Look at verse 28. While he's returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant. So he shall do damage and return to his own land. Guys, Antiochus Epiphanes was an accurate and dramatic fulfillment of this prophecy in history. So much so that the critics insist that the book of Daniel must have been written after that time. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to think of this man as pre-prophetic Antichrist. You guys ready? Okay, so number one, Antiochus Epiphanes exerted his dominion towards the south, towards the east, and towards the land of Israel. So what should I say? He's going to be very powerful. He's going to be powerful. If you go, well, no, 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 man, we're, we're in the United States. We'll rise up and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get our militia to go. No, no, no. The Antichrist is going to be extremely powerful. How do we know that? Because we see that through history. We see Antiochus was the same way. Number two, Antiochus Epiphany, here's what he did. He murdered other rulers and persecuted the people of Israel. The Antichrist is going to hate Israel first secretly, you won't know it, and then openly. And then openly. Now, you and I won't be here. Can I get an amen? But this is what it's going to go down. Oh, no, no, no. He can't. He's. No. We'll just call him Brother Christopher because that's what the movie's called. Oh, Brother Christopher is amazing. No. He loves Israel. We got to follow Brother so and so. And then you guys know in the abomination of desolation, the three and a half years, he's going to turn. Let me give you the third one. Antiochus Epiphanes blasphemed God and commanded idolatrous worship directed toward himself as the high priest of the host. So basically, same thing. Same thing. How close are we to the third temple in Israel? We're close. The heifers are ready. They're about a year and a half out. All we got to do is find the spot, build a temple, and it's ready to go. In the three and a half year mark, Antioch, or the Antichrist is going to come in and go, hey, you can't sacrifice anymore, and he's going to alter, he's going to offer a swine on the altar, and the Jews are going to freak. They're going to tear their clothes, they're going to run over to Jordan, God's going to protect them. That's a whole other sermon. 
Let me give you number four. four. Antiochus Epiphanes will put a stop to temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. He did that. And the daily sacrifices were taken away. Same thing's going to happen for Israel. Number five, Antiochus Epiphanes, he desecrated the temple. The place of his sanctuary was cast down. Number six, Antiochus Epiphanes opposed God and seemed to prosper. The Bible says he cast truth down to the ground. He did all of this and prospered. One of the things throughout history, throughout Israel, throughout all of these things, listen to me, is that we believe that someone is being blessed by God by how they prosper. And in the book of Hosea, the Jews were mad at Hosea, although he was saying that judgment was coming. And they said, Hosea, you're nuts. You're nuts. If God was mad at us, why are we being blessed? And he said, that's not a sure sign that God is blessing you. The Antichrist is going to be, he's going to prosper, how? By pushing down and opposing God and those who represent God. Yeah, man, I think I'm going to stick around in the, in the tribulation. I'll be all right, man. No, 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 no. The moment you say, I love God, you're going to either be killed, tortured, or both. It's not a game. It's not a game. And if that's not bad enough, the moment you take the mark of the beast, you have already condemned your soul to hell forever. I'd just rather bow now. Say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. I don't know it. I don't know it all. I know, I know. I know something's got to be inside. Okay, we're going to close, guys. We're going to close. I'm going to read verses 29 through 35, and then we'll, we'll close with some prayer. Verse 29, at the appointed time, he shall return towards the south, but it shall be like the former or the latter. For ships of Cyrus shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the holy covenant to do damage. So he shall return and show no regards for those who forsake the holy covenant. That's Israel. And the forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and the place of the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those, the people who understand, shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and the flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but they shall join them with, they shall join with them by intrigue. And some of those understanding shall fall to refine them, to purify them, to make them white until the time of the end because it's still for an appointed time. Listen, the seven-year, we're going to talk more about the Antichrist next week, but I want, you, I want to talk to you real quick about the seven-year tribulation. There are people that are going to get saved after the rapture. They're going to realize that they were wrong. They're going to realize that, oh, they missed the boat. They're going to realize that they were dancing with the world and, and flirting with the world, but not really a true Christian. And they're going to come to know Jesus in a real and, and amazing way. And they're going to try to do their very best. You've seen the movies to, to, to thwart the exploits of, of this giant system that's going to be hurling down for the next seven years. But we also see in Revelation, guys, that there's going to be many saints under the throne, and these are tribulation saints. These are the ones who go, hey, I'm going to stand for God, and they'll be killed immediately. The beauty is, right now, today, as God continues to pour out his grace, we don't have to get saved during the tribulation. We can be saved now. 
You can be saved now. And that's the gospel that Jesus Christ came and said, hey, today's the day. But I want to make sure that it's a, it's a transformation from the inside out, not from the outside in. You're not just modifying your behavior and going, hey, I look like a Christian, I act like a Christian, but I'm really not. And so now, if we'll take just a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our little church, and we can ask him, God, am I saved? Am I really saved? Am I really... And we'll let the Holy Spirit do its work. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can read a chapter 11 and think, man, I've just gone through a history lesson, but totally understand some key principles in the gospel. That number one, every one of us is called to be born again. That number two, Lord, according to you, Matthew 7, there's going to be many people that, that say they're Christians, and he's going to say, I never knew you. And that scares me, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for prophecy, God. We thank you for prophecy so it can bring light in a dark world. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And so now, Lord, with every eye closed, I would pray that your spirit, Lord, save those that you want to save. And Father, honestly, if everyone in this room tonight is truly born again and truly has a relationship with you, then I can put my head on the pillow tonight with great ease and know that you're still in control. But, Lord, if there's somebody here tonight and you brought them here and you had a specific word for them that they're not or there's a doubt in them, that, that Lord, you brought them here so that they can be saved once and for all. Lord, our mission is to depopulate hell and populate heaven. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here tonight that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't know if I'm really saved. You can lift up your hand and I'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, God bless you, bro? Really saved, really. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, you're, you're moving in a way that, Lord, we can't, we can't, Lord, we just can't explain. It's amazing. And so I pray for these hands that were raised, Lord. I pray that they would make a sincere, solid declaration of faith to you. And no better way, God, than to make a, a, a statement to the world and to this church and to all those watching online than to get up and say, today's the day I surrendered my life to Jesus. So listen to me. If you're here today and, and, and you lifted up your hand and you want to make a statement, you want to make a statement to the world and you want to make a statement to the enemy that you no longer belong to him, and you want to pray a prayer, and you want to have a defining moment, then here's what I would encourage you to do. Would you do me a favor? If you're sincere with God, would you get up and come stand right here, and we'll pray for you. And God bless you, man. Good move. Yes. Good move. Good move, brother. Good move. Come on. Come stand right here. This is your defining moment right here, man. This is you. Amen. Amen. Come on, guys. Anyone else, anyone else need to be up here and say, man, this is my time. This is my moment. I, I don't care what people say. I mean, today's my day. Today, I'm, I'm surrendering it all. I'm not going back. This, this is an inside thing. You just get up out of your seat, come stand right here, because right here is where God wants to meet you. It's not about joining our church. It's not about anything. It's about a relationship with God, and it's about depopulating hell and populating heaven. Or today, if you'll make that decision with all of your heart, you'll be saved. That's the authority of Scripture right there. We read all of history only to come back and say, if Jesus said you're going to, you need to be born again and you pray this prayer, God's going to come in and do an incredible work. And so it's got to be from the inside out. So here's what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, the words alone aren't sufficient to say, you can pray this prayer all day long. It doesn't mean anything. I prayed a prayer at Calvary. It's meaning it with all of your heart. Okay, it's meaning it.
It's, it's, it's a repenting. It's going, I'm going to turn from that way. I'm going to turn from my way. I'm going to, I'm going to follow the Lord. I don't know what that looks like in my life, but I'm going to, I know I need him to help me. And so I'm going to lead you, but it's you guys talking to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I'm sorry for my sins. I'm, sorry for my sins. I'm, a, sinner. I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've blown it. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe, I believe you died on the cross, died on the cross for, me. for me. And I believe, and I believe that you rose again on the third day. And I really believe you're coming back soon. And I want to go home with you. So, Lord, I'm tired of playing games. I don't want the world anymore. I repent and I give my life to you. God, I need help. I can't do it by myself. So come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. Be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus. Forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, if you need prayer, we got prayer, guys. Let's do one last song. Man, what a great way to end a Wednesday night. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.